Hey guys, welcome to episode 179 of the podcast with my guest, the charming Carla Kakowski. I wanted to just um, follow up on what I said in the intro, uh, in the description rather, of the podcast episode, which is that we did things a little bit differently this time. See if you can wrap your heads around it. this was an opportunity for me to help promote Carla's new podcast, Improv Yak. She's had some great, 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 great improvisers on there so far. Um, I'm so thrilled that she asked me to do it. And I had been wanting to podcast her for a while. So we kind of did a weird mashup where we recorded both. And um, you'll get a chance to hear some of her episode uh, on this JV Club podcast episode, a little crossover. And, uh, and you'll also get to hear about her. So... I hope you guys like it, and uh, I uh, I want to get some shout-outs out there. I want to thank Alyssa for your guest suggestion. Uh, JD, I look forward to meeting you on the uh, J- Joko Cruise. I'm very excited about that. Allison, thanks for your wonderful uh, Everyone's Crazy But Us comments, and that goes for any- anybody who's liked it, shared it, uh, anything like that to help promote it and uh, and say positive things about it. It's just been such a fun project, and I really believe in it, and I'd love to do more. So thank you all for, for that. That's been really, really great. Um, Aline, I hope I said your name right, over there in Brazil. Hello, Tamlin. Uh, hello, and thank you for your wonderful email. Colleen, thanks for recommending the Happy Mixer. Guys, the Happy Mixer is a gluten-free bake shop that uh, is a, a brick-and-mortar shop but also ships all over the United States. Jesse, thank you for telling me about the desert smell, that ozone. The ozone made me uh, – that ozone email made me want to become a scientist. First of all, I have to learn how to speak properly, I think, probably to make that happen. Uh, Justin, happy travels to the USA. Stephanie, thanks for your note on Facebook. Uh, Jessica Dill, I wanted to recommend um, – some work that I've not read yet, but she is very excited to have just released Around the Bend and Pocket Dreams, Volume 1. If you give that a Google, her name is J-E-S-E-C-A and then D-I-L-L. Uh, congratulations on completing those works and publishing them, Jessica. And then Hannah, th- Hannah thank you as always for uh, updates on Arizona. I did not realize that em- emus had broken out uh, and were on the loose. If I seem like I'm stammering, stuttering, and I'm too lazy to re-record this intro, guys, it's because we are so, so, so close to releasing the lineup announcing it uh, of SF Sketchfest. We have an extraordinary number of shows, some really amazing people coming. I hope that you will sign up for our mailing list at sfsketchfest.com. If you are already on it, be prepared on Friday to receive uh, a, a lineup announcement email that I hopefully will knock your socks off. And then after you put your socks back on, you'll come to San Francisco and hang out with me uh, during the course of those three weeks in January, January 7th through 24th. Guys, that's it. Enjoy the episode, and I uh, I will talk to you soon. But I do need to encourage you to visit Carla Kakowski's improv podcast, Improv Yak. That's Y-A-K, Yak. Bye. Now entering Nerdist.com. to start because this is i've already started recording this is great this okay, is great perfect. um i love that we flipped a coin I, I do feel like we should quickly say that we are doing each other's podcasts yes. in a block of time back to back let me unvelcro my shoes because it it's only 1980. 15 emails that's right <laughs> sorry about that that's right no no my god i i feel the same um uh all right i'm gonna stop talking because this is even though i am positioned in the mode of hosting this podcast right 
behind the computer. I'm going to back off <laughs> and I'm going to let you be in charge. Uh, well, I wanted to talk to you about improv today. I'm ready, willing, and able and a little nervous because I feel like you're like, I'm not, I'm not totally unseasoned. I'm not like the chef on chopped. Who's like, I don't have any formal training. I just (laughs) bust my way through kitchens and now I'm executive chef at a French restaurant. Uh, I definitely went through programs, but for some reason I still feel like I'm surrounded by people who have so much experience and who teach and all that to the point where I, sometimes I do feel like, does anyone, am I, should I not be here? But, but you always seem like the most experienced though to me i don't know so funny well so i mean i'm very yeah. complimented by that and you should be. but you're like, absolutely you, you wrong about that. <laughs> no i'm not um but what i actually that's a question i had written down for you was where did you study i'm not even sure or did you i went to when i was living in san francisco i did um a couple of classes of bats which is Bay Area Theater Sports. Okay. Um, and so that's all like it's pretty um, short or, form, oh, short actually. Form. It's okay. pretty, I, what I remember is pretty short form. I don't remember doing, I mean, we must have, but I, you know, the, the courses I do, I mean, I don't remember doing like super gamey games all the time. Right. I know that we did do scene work, but I associate it with more game kind of play. Okay. And then I did the UCB program. Just the improv program here. Oh, you did? Um, yeah. A couple of years into moving here, I guess. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then, because it seems like you're part of the UCB community, um, and maybe that has something to do with the Sketchfest. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a bigger part of it than even taking classes at the UCB, because that's where I sort of started meeting people that I knew in New York because of that, like the people who are in Respecto, which mm-hmm. is... Like that Respecto is like a, one of the amazing, the, it's funny because at the time they thought of themselves as like, oh, we haven't been around that long. And that's like a sign of aging when you're like, God, I remember when they felt they were new right. because now they're, you know, a 15 year old improv group or something that doesn't exist anymore. But that was like Rob Hubel, Paul Shear, Rob Riggle, Donna Fineglass, Danielle Schneider, Owen Burke. I'm probably forgetting someone really key, but it was a, powerhouse improv group um but uh but those yeah those were people that i met uh either as a sketch performer when i did the aspen comedy festival uh or coming to scout in new york or having people come and and perform at sf sketch fest before i had moved to la those people i feel like that was like kind of the first wave of ucbla like Mm -hmm. they had and they were already veterans from new york yeah but they had moved here because a lot of those people were some of my first improv teachers at ucb yeah yeah and i moved around the same time like i i had become friends with donna I guess just through that New York and LA kind of crossover. Um, Cause I remember we both kind of moved around the same time. We both ended up with the same manager and oh, that okay. was kind of when, and Walsh just had just moved as well. Um, Matt Walsh and uh, like Seth Morris, I think had just very recently moved and Paul Shear Cause I think Donna and Paul were together at that time. So yeah, I agree. I think there was, that was, that kind of was the wave. And I think it just so happened that I moved like right at the same time, but it it was totally unplanned. Funny, But I'm not, but I never was because I hadn't gone through the program. Right. I came in and then I didn't do the program. And I think part of it was this weird sort of like this weird thing where you are kind of like, should I now I consider these guys, my peers, but they're teaching classes, Mm. but they're much better. You know, they're, they've got much better improv backgrounds than I do. 
but is it weird for me to take a class from someone that I've like just worked on a show with right. or you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I was like, that's stupid. I just need to, you know, take classes. So I took them from Julie who I had not known oh, as Brister? anything other than a teacher, which probably was for the best because yeah. she was great and mm-hmm. There was, I mean, I, I, that sounds gross to say. It's not like I was like, mm, I don't want to no, listen to you. I don't think but there's so this like self consciousness, yeah. I think, about mm-hmm. sort of like, you know. Well, that's how I feel now because I, I'm actually, I love taking classes of, of you know, yeah, whatever. I do too. And I've been wanting to go back and take an improv class, but it has to be the exact right situation. Mm-hmm. And again, it's less about ego. Like I don't want to listen to other people, but more just like uh, I don't want to feel self conscious and yeah. Like I want to, I want to totally internal opposed to external. Yeah. Yeah. And I I want to like a safe space where I can like totally fail and be horrible and not feel like I'm not going to get a a job teaching or something. Absolutely. And (laughs) I think that's probably, I can't imagine that everyone doesn't feel that way. Right. I mean, I feel like probably people who end up doing, you know, like workshops at summits for corporations who mm-hmm. have to feel like they or they want to go take a class but someone's like the boss is here he clearly doesn't know what he's talking about or she doesn't know what she's doing after all if she's doing this class with us yeah there probably is that sort of like it's probably and it's and i'm sure some of it's real and some of it is like completely just perceived in the vulnerability we all have actors with their neuroses actors you just said the word vulnerability, by the way, which I is did. what I wanted to talk to you about. Love so it. when I talk to people, I try to pick something that I feel like I see in their work a lot and something that I really appreciate appreciate about their work. And with you, I feel like, first of all, you're a great actor. And so whenever I see you improvise or hear you improvise, because I listen to you on Spontaneous Nation a lot. Oh, geez. Um, we got to do it together. I and know, it was super fun. It was so fun. Um, but yeah, I feel like I always, you know, really believe your characters but also that your characters always seem to come from a place of being very open and affected. Um, and so I guess my question to kind of kick this all off, uh, in terms of vulnerability, is that a choice that you're consciously making or is that something you're naturally doing? First of all, let me just drink in all the wonderful things that you just said. Um, thank you. Uh, that really means so much coming from you. Um, I think, uh, Maybe that, maybe having so much acting background without having had any improv background for so long, because I didn't take any improv classes. I mean, I did theater, like at a public high school. And, you know, I I did theater from public school, like from grade one all the Mm -hmm. way through um, and majored in it in college. But I never thought of it as like comedy. I never made the connection that other people make between loving, you know, Kids in the Hall on Saturday Night Live and being a theater kid. But again, no like outside theater. It's not like I was in Tucson, Arizona, like looking for an agent or doing even community theater. To me, it was just like what you did in school um, and and improv. I never made those connections, even in college when a bunch of my friends were in, uh, you know, of an improv group in at NAU, Northern Arizona University, where I went my first two years and ditto at San Francisco State. There were improv troops and I was like, no way. Mm-hmm. I don't have that. I don't do that. I don't do comedy. I don't do sketch. I don't do anything like that. And I think there was a real fear of, I think it's a reflection of what happens to a lot of people creatively when they're not necessarily pursuing it very, very avidly. It's not like I applied to NYU or something. Right. <clears throat> and it's this kind of vulnerability again mm-hmm. of, I don't want to do this. Like people say I'm funny but what if I go try to do this and I'm not? 
Mm. And it's like, I'd rather be the funny one in class than risk being disappointed in myself. And I really think I just like clanged the wall down really early on Wow! because I loved comedy and I yeah. worshiped Steve Martin and I loved <laughs> SNL and all that kind of stuff when I was growing up. And I just never allowed myself to, but I would watch like, you know, Silence of Lambs and be like, I could be the Jodie Foster role. I do love her. I feel we're very, we have a lot in common. Do you know what I mean? Yep. So, I, but, but I think probably peripherally, like if I had seen like a, like a life coach or like a job counselor or something when I was a senior in high school, she would have been like, are you not seeing that you should get into comedy? Yeah. Like I see these things all forming this one like nexus of, you know, here, this is a thing you should do. I just would have been like, oh, no, 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 you know? Right. So I really avoided it. And, but I now think that maybe get, I had, maybe for me, I had to get to a point where I was comfortable enough as an actor that I had, that that was my failure safety net, right? That like, I felt like, uh, at least I know I'm okay at, at acting and at character stuff, um, so even if the comedy isn't there, I'm not, I don't, it's, I don't have anything. I'm not like empty. <laughs> you right, know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. You have something. Maybe. To I mean, I never thought about from. before until just now when you asked that, but mm-hmm. I think, um, maybe that was what I needed. Um, because if I hadn't had that background, I might've fallen even more into the like transparent, like pushy, just trying to get laughs sort of total one-dimensional or two-dimensional character i don't know what one dimension is <laughs> a word one word i don't know uh, but you know the two-dimensional sort mm-hmm. of like there's nothing going on because it's all up front all hungry for a laugh because it's also what's the fastest way for me to push past the fear that i'm not funny mm-hmm. and i think allowing myself to go well maybe maybe and and also being attracted to improvisers who were bit character based right i mean that's one of the things I love about what I saw at IO mm-hmm. is without knowing why, without necessarily knowing, even before I had taken any improv, just going to like the, the festival and stuff down here in LA when I still lived in San Francisco, without knowing why, I think I really got that kind of second city, Chicago, you know, ground it, mm-hmm. the, fun, the funny will come, like all that stuff. I didn't know that's what I was responding to. But I think it like hit something deep inside me where I felt like, oh, God, that's maybe this is okay. You know, Stephanie, Weir's just been talking for a couple minutes and no one's laughing and it doesn't matter because we all know she's funny. And yeah, at this point in the show and mm-hmm. that's maybe that's okay, you know, so even before I had a words for yeah. it or the training of it, I kind of think I had this sort of attraction to that part of it. It is interesting too, like knowing that you can watch someone do improv. And as long as they're committed to the reality of whatever they're doing, the audience kind of forgets if they're laughing or not. Yeah. I think. I think so too. Um, so when did you start doing comedy then? Uh, when I had basically gone through, I mean, it was like post-college, I guess. Um, or maybe I was still taking classes part-time, but I was sort of finished all my theater stuff and was just doing the kind of like scrappy, like geology credit I still (laughs) needed. Um, I had a couple of friends that, uh, I had met through the theater program who were, you know, like we're going to start this, 
this comedy group. We're going to start a sketch group and um, we want you to do it. You know, we'll probably write through improvisation. So we'll probably start getting together and doing some improv games and seeing if we can come up with ideas from there. And I was like, I don't do do that. I don't have that experience. So I must have been 21. Okay. Probably and were those people maybe? the like Gabe and mm-hmm, Cole. Gabe and, and Cole and and Dave and then a couple of other people. We had like three other people who were part of us. So it was kind of a big group to begin with, and then just slowly the other three kind of had too many commitments, or you know one of them I think went to go to get her masters, and um, and so it just ended up being the four of us. Okay, um, but yeah, I was so reluctant and. I, I felt real daring and strange about showing up and very apologetic, you know, very self-deprecating really? and apologetic about, you know, like so afraid to sort of express an idea and not to say like I was a timid person, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like all, I was just a timid person and all of a sudden I came to life as a, as a human being through this. I was very much the same person I am now, except like just zero confidence and that stuff and just very like uh i don't know i just want to i had this idea it's so dumb but da 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 and it really took this wonderful group of three guys who were very patient and were like that's a good idea you should write that (laughs) as a sketch and i would be like i don't write it will you write it (laughs) you know what i mean so much reluctance every step was like plodding forward wow and um and yeah, if I if they had not, you know, stuck with it and really, you know, sort of capitalized on the the enjoyment that we had performing together and took I mean, I think they really propelled it forward for a while as far as like let's do a show, let's mm-hmm. find a space, you know? And I would be like, "I'll help make the flyers," <laughs> you know? Um, but that's and that and I was and I had just kind of done it for about a year when we started to put the festival together just because we needed a place to perform in San Francisco and there were so few places and they were so expensive that we had started doing these small bits and pieces here and there at comedy clubs and at theater spaces and had met through that um, a few other comedy sketch groups like really kind of the only ones we knew in San Francisco and we said you know we would like to try to do something where we can share a space. Could we rent a theater for a month? Like we could call it a festival. I don't know. Wow. And, um, and that's how we ended up starting the festival. And that I what felt very comfortable with because I was, I came from, that was 2001 okay. was when we started like really produce, getting ready to produce. And I think that 2002 was when the festival started. Cause we're about okay. to turn 15. Wow. I don't know how, does that make sense? We're yeah. turning 15. So 2001. Yeah. yeah. And 2016. Okay. Um, so 2001, but, um, yeah. And, and that was, I, like, I felt better about the producing part of that because I was working in sort of grown up jobs, like doing budgets and, you know, looking right. at invoices and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So that I felt like I could really help with. And um, the performing, I was just kind of still coming into feeling comfortable with, but we had really done a lot of, testing stuff at you know comedy clubs and stuff and so I felt at that point I felt more I felt again very confident as a performer mm-hmm. more com- very much more confident as a comedic performer and still very unconfident as an improviser or as a writer gotcha you know and then so through 
so when you when you do the festivals and and you're still performing the, your festivals now too. Yeah, it gets harder and harder because there's Cause more so and busy. more things happening at mm-hmm. the same time that you're on stage where you're kind of worrying about whether or not you know someone's like, oh god, I hope we're supporting our staff enough. I'm on stage, I can't do anything right. from right here. Yeah, <laughs> you and, know. And so you and Cole run it from down here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. He's you- up there, we're down here, and then we go up there periodically for meetings and stuff. Um, and then we both just sort of live in a hotel up there for the duration of the festival. So wow. like three and a half weeks, we'll just live up there kind of while it's going on. So crazy. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. yeah so fun though. I'm assuming. Yeah, I know it, it is fun. It is fun. It's, there's been, uh, there's a, there's a, there's sort of a, a ebb and flow of like certain years we'll get like getting the formula right where we're crazed and it's really really hard but somehow we found a balance where it's more fun and then there will be a year where we don't have enough support and so we're we're it's not that fun because right. we're not sleeping and we're just mm-hmm. working 24 7 um and i think now we're in a pretty great place where we've got the last couple of years last few years we've had a staff that's large enough that they and are so capable and great that even though we're working all day and night until the end of the last show. And then we go to sleep for six hours or whatever. Um, there's less of a feeling of what am I forgetting? Or I personally have not done something cause there's just more of a, we've created more of a family of people that we trust and that who are wonderful. Um, so we're able to actually watch a show from time to time, you know. Um, but it, but earlier on too, like Cole and I used to share a room together. We just couldn't afford to, you know, have our own rooms even when we yeah. were up there. So we would have our two queen size beds in the Hotel Tomo in Japantown, wow. and just That's like so total roomies. You know, yeah. we would get home and like eat candy and talk <laughs> about the day, and then fall asleep. And yeah, I'm really lucky that our like perspective. I were like that our respective partners at the t- times that that was happening weren't like weirded out by it, but I think they saw that we were so brother and sister that it yeah. wasn't like weird that we were roomies. And you guys still improvise together occasionally, right? Yeah, yeah, we definitely do. Theme our theme park uh, group. Um, we just did like a little fun kind of th- uh, short set at um, a venue down here. Um, and then the rest of the time, we principally do theme park improv like at other festivals because it sort of gives us an excuse to travel together. Okay. Um, so, but yeah, that's that's that group has had a couple of different iterations in terms of who the members are, depending on who's like on a show and available and who's mm-hmm. not. Um, but there there has been a pretty consistent core group of people for the last couple of years um, that have done you know, pretty much all of the shows that we've done. And that's together. you and Cole is Jessica. Cole, me, Jessica Makinson, um, Oscar Nunez, uh, Michael Hitchcock, John Michael Higgins. Who am I forgetting? Uh, sometimes Rachel Dratch, if she can do it, she's the only one who's across the country. Okay. Um, uh, and then the two people who, are technically still in it but have no time in the world so they like every once in a while like danny can come to portland or simon can do austin or uh-huh. uh danny pudi and simon helberg okay i think i've named everyone oh no ian brennan ian brennan is um one of the co-creators of, of the show glee okay um he's been a part of it for the last few years oh too. that's fun and yeah and so you guys will go do whatever other improv festival and that's to kind of 
meet other people and like i think it's just because we like it will only do it at cities we like going so we've done oh, cool. like vancouver yeah. and portland Fun. and um did we do something in seattle maybe i don't know we did yeah. dc one year um I don't think we've ever done New York together, which is sort of fun. And then the San Francisco Fest, they just come up for. Um, and then we've we've always talked about trying to actually just have an agent sort of send us out to colleges and stuff. It's mm-hmm. just, it's so hard with people's work dates yeah. to That's make those things align. Pretty impressive group of people who seem probably yeah, like they're, they're working lucky. all the time. But lucky that those people like to play. Yeah. Um, so when you're stepping out on stage and you're about to improvise with someone. Uh-huh. Let's, let's say first someone. I say a prayer to our Lord and Savior. Jesus that, okay. Christ. Yeah. Take me through the thought process of Janet Barney. <laughs> <laughs> if there is a thought process, I play a chicken. <laughs> I rub its blood all over my chest. Um, that's the secret. Yeah. No, I get it. Uh, I, yeah, I, you know, I, I just, um, I, a lot of the time, you know what it, my number, this is a super annoying. My, I would say that my number one neurosis, my number one neurosis isn't that it's not as specific as like oh i just am not funny it's always <laughs> so lame because it makes me sound like such an old bitty but i always for some reason i'm like i think i'm too tired to improvise tonight oh yeah i don't know why it's i don't know if that's <laughs> if that's a stress response you know what i mean like mm-hmm. there's this sort of instead of getting amped it's almost like you get tired yes. from anxiety maybe I it never manifests yes, with I like I'm really too. nervous. Yeah, it's always a there's a it's a flat line. It's not nervousness. It's it's it, but I think it might be a response to nervousness because so it's just like I shut yeah. down, and I'm always like 20 minutes before a show. I'm like, <laughs> I just don't have it. I don't feel. I'm like so sleepy. I feel unfocused. Right. I feel like I'm not going to remember anything that like the monologist says because frequently I do Armando's. Yeah. I'm not going to remember and and I'm just not going to track anything and I'm just going to be like a dead weight on stage. (laughs) I always feel that way. That's the number one thing that I think. And then like five minutes before I go on somehow I get pepped up yeah and I don't know and I got God help me hope maybe I'm just absorbing other people's energy and right. I hopefully I'm giving some <laughs> back because I do somehow end up feeling awake and alive on stage and after every show I'm like that was great and then you know <laughs> someone will say like you know you always do you know what I mean yeah I feel like this is a thing you do is that just your process and I'm like listen if that makes it sound legitimate sure <laughs> that's just my process yeah I feel like a place of good stuff whenever I have a rough show it's always because I'm not making choices and so I and it is that thing of like instead of being too nervous it's like I'm not nervous enough yeah and then I'm just yeah. like sleepy on yeah. stage you're just letting everyone else drive and sort yeah. of like, oh, I kind of got a sense that they wanted something from me then, but I don't know. I just didn't. Yeah. I didn't feel it. There's a deadness it. to it. And so that becomes a fear. That makes sense that that would become the fear. Yeah. The fear is that you're just going to kind of be not a bl- lug. I don't yeah. Know if that's a just word. not acting, just not reacting or something. Yeah. Um, who are the type of, what, what type of improvisers do you like to perform with? Like what elements in their play uh, tickles you? Well, I mean, I think I using the last show that we did that you wait, you didn't do it. And I was mad. 
you did not do the show in New York because Which, you were doing something oh, else. Oh, right. The thrilling. Yeah, yeah. That I thought for a second you were doing and then yeah. you weren't there. I wasn't there. I um, heard it was so great though. It was really fun. You would have been such a great addition to oh, it. Thanks. Um Because Annie wasn't there and I'm not this, you know, I think there's this sort of, I think way less so now, but I remember when I first started doing sketch um, and it's still out there. This is, this is an idea that's still out there, but I think it's much less. So I'm sure some people will listen to this and go like, Oh, I never thought about that. But I think other people who like you have been doing it for a long time will go, Oh yeah. The sort of like one girl in a group of boys yeah. thing as if that, I think there's two ways that people looked at it. Number one was that they just felt that there were too many guys doing mm-hmm. comedy and that it's great when you can even stick one girl in there. And I think there's this other perception that like a girl thinks there's only room for one of her. Right. Which is like completely not how I feel. I've never met a woman in comedy who's ever. Yeah. I think that's like, that a, that's a, yeah. that's a thing that gets imposed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, because I I don't want to be the only girl on stage, right. and I am such a lady lover. You know, yeah. I just want yeah, that yeah. energy, and it's it's hard when it's when there's only one woman, and um, and yeah. there's a different kind of thing that happens. Not to say that all guys are the same and all women are the same, but I don't know. For me, I still am aware of it. I don't necessarily some shows with a thrilling folks. I don't feel that as much because they they're so they're so generous and mm-hmm. they're so um, there's just so much love in that group that I do feel like we're all people and I don't think about gender. Right. But there's other times when, you know, like if there's a male monologist or something yeah. that there's just like some, some of the stories or some, you just find that the characters are skewing male and it's no one's fault because you are kind of responding to what you're hearing. Right. But, um, and I think some guys are wonderful and don't really feel comfortable taking on a female character because they don't want to be disrespectful mm-hmm. versus sometimes women maybe that's a weird thing of being in a minority group is that you are empowered to portray the other person the other gender yeah in a way that maybe like really sensitive sweet gentle men are like oh i don't want to think i don't want people to think i'm like being campy or that i'm you know doing a voice that makes it sound like i'm you know i, I don't respect women or whatever right. so maybe they lean out <laughs> of it Opposed yeah. to someone like you or me who might lean into being a male character mm-hmm. and feel completely, you know, feel permission to do that. So it really helps when there's more than one woman. I agree. And and I actually am going to go a step further and even say that I just prefer as an audience member when I'm watching to yeah. see more women on stage. Yeah. And I don't want to say that I'm offended when I just see one woman because that's not true necessarily, but it does put me off immediately. And... I like hearing a female's voice represented on stage by yeah. more than one person. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know I'm that that's you a, feel that. No, I mean, I, I think, don't know that that's a popular opinion, but that's how I, I feel. Yeah, you know? I think in a perfect world to, to feel like those to feel like there's an imbalance is still the appropriate response. Right. I'm not for me to say, you know, like doing doing improv with the thrilling folks to it it is a it is way too much of like in a like a a, a, a utopian perspective for me to be like i don't know we're just all people we're not there yet right like i'm lucky to feel that but that's an anomaly and i think it should be an anomaly because Mm -hmm. if if we are careless and go like i think we made it guys i think that women and men are equally represented in comedy that's just not true and unfortunately if it's unpopular or not like it takes a dissatisfaction to moving forward. I mean, yeah. that's kind of is a reality, right? Mm-hmm. You kind of have to say, I don't like, you know what? I really don't love improv groups that just have one woman. 
people need to know that so women feel empowered to be in all female groups or, you know, half and half or whatever the ratio ends up feeling or how whatever the comfort level is of the person who's performing, how important it is to have that total, totally equalized or not. Um, I don't know how else, like it has to happen organically, but it also has to have a little bit of a push. Yeah. Um, and that I guess goes into a whole other like risky territory of like affirmative action and stuff in government. (laughs) Um, but you know, I do think that the right amount of dissatisfaction is important and Mm -hmm. it, and it shouldn't be considered like complaining. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what what you mean. Yeah. Um, when I was in New York, when we were in New York, I met up with, um, a woman who runs the magnet theater named Megan and Megan gray. And she was actually that day later going to be Skyping with different artistic directors of improv theaters across the country Mm. discussing diversity. Nice. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's a really, and I don't know that anybody in LA was involved in that conversation when she was listing the theaters. Uh, did you, did you have a response to that? Um, Thing that was now full yeah. disclosure. Oh, oh well, guys, it's Janet here, present day Janet. What am I about to admit? Full disclosure. That sounds very juicy indeed. I will tell you what. There's only one way for you to find out how the rest of that conversation goes, and that, my friends, is to go to Carla Kakowski's podcast episode that I did. Her podcast, of course, is called Improv Yak. That's improv like the word improv and yak, Y-A-K, check it out. Um, Listen to the rest of our conversation. It only gets juicier from there. Uh, So what I'm going to do now is take you into uh, basically the very end of her episode of our conversation um, in which she interviews me and uh, and get into some Carla teen stuff. So uh, I was going to say hang on to your hats. I just don't feel that many people wear hats anymore, but enjoy the rest of the app. Um, okay. So let me ask you, let me ask you this because now everyone has, uh, potentially listened to me yak about improv, um, and all of the sort of gender stuff that I already talk about on my podcast and then get really nervous about. Um, uh, I'm going to let you put your hair up into a bun. Um, let, let me ask you this. What, uh, was your background similar to mine or did you start out really early taking improv classes? How did you get interested? Actually, it is very similar to yours in that I, uh, was just an actor, just an actor and, um, studying in Chicago, uh, is that where theater. you're from? I'm Are from you... Kentucky originally. Okay. I lived in Florida for 10 years. Okay. Went back to Kentucky for high school. Okay. Went to uh, Columbia College in Chicago. And so I was studying theater there. And um, Second City is obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but it's the, the main ones in Chicago. And, and it's such a big deal there. It's mm-hmm. a, such a part of the culture. And so you when know, you went to Chicago, did you have that in the back of your mind? Not it was at all. Totally just like a thing that you discovered when you were yeah, there. Yeah. There was a guy who lived on the same floor in my dorm and he like worked there as like a busser or something and he could get us tickets. So we would go and, and watch second city shows. And then I started taking class at second city in Chicago. Um, but again, it wasn't even because I wanted to be a comedian or an improviser. It was just more like, hey, this is something different than like a Shakespeare class yeah. or the text analysis yeah. or something. Here's that I, a light, fun yeah. you know, thing I can do to absolutely take the pressure off. And so I did that for a few months and then stopped. And then when I moved out here, um, I was out here for a couple years and just not hadn't found a community of people at all and mm-hmm. was really depressed and like, what am I doing here? And um, my boyfriend at the time was taking class at Second City in LA. And so I went back 
and that's kind of how it all started. That's so great. Yeah. Did you, what, uh, so you were, obviously if you went to school for theater at Columbia, that means that you, I'm assuming you probably had an interest in it when you were in high school in Kentucky. Yes, I did. Where yeah. in Kentucky? Um, the Northern part right across the river from Cincinnati. So it's actually more Midwestern than Southern. Okay. Um, yeah. So it's like the Cincinnati airport is actually in Kentucky for anyone who How didn't know that. <laughs> How dare they? I know. So if you've ever been to the Cincinnati airport, you've actually been to Kentucky. What a gift you've just given everyone who <laughs> were feeling really bad that they've never been, that they had in fact been to Cincinnati, <laughs> but felt they'd never been to Kentucky. You were wrong. Um, what, uh, what, what took you to Florida and back? So, um, I, we moved to Florida when, when I was like three, my, I think my, you know, my parents were really young. I mean, I guess really young. They were like 20 when they had me and Mm -hmm. my younger brother came a few years later. And I think that now that I'm an adult and I, I understand this so much harder, which is that they didn't really have those experiences in their late teens or early twenties, uh, where they got to see the world or like have Mm. any adventures. So I think they were just like, Hey, we're going to move to Florida. Okay. Sure. (laughs) Why not Florida? (laughs) Right. So we went to Fort Lauderdale and I was there for 10 years and then, um, they felt like we needed to be closer to family. And so we moved back to Kentucky. What a wild 10 year adventure (laughs) in Fort Lauderdale. Yes. Uh, what and so what were when you came back to Kentucky is that something that you wanted to do or no. were you reluctant to I yeah. was very reluctant and how old were you I was 13 okay so it was right 14. before you were a freshman you had not been a freshman exactly. yet yeah okay. I was so they felt probably felt it was a good time like absolutely. oh at least we're not taking you out you know after your freshman year or something that's exactly right yeah and I had come from a really large public school in Fort Lauderdale very diverse and just, I mean, it was huge. And then when we moved to Kentucky, they put me into a private school and I uh, ended up going to all girls girls Catholic high school. So it was such a huge uh, shift in, in my life. It was just, it was startling and I was not a very good student. Um, That surprises me. I know me too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so smart. Uh, But I was like really depressed a lot, I think in high school and just didn't, it wasn't that I was like doing anything that would, would have like distracted me from homework, but it was just more like, I just wanted to come home and read or like yeah. watch TV yeah. or sleep. I slept a lot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> you slept a lot. Hormones. Yes, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I have really liked sleeping too. Did you? God, so much. Every, any class that was first or second period was at dire risk of me not being oh, any good at yeah. it or showing up for it <laughs> because I really liked to sleep in. It was not, uh, it wasn't a high school that I could like skip school really. It was hard to like, like when you, when I see movies and they're like, well, let's not go to first period. Yeah. It was like, no, you got dropped off and you. Yeah. Was it, there anybody in your school who was actively rebellious in that way? Not really. Not where you would just like come halfway through because you were. It's small, a small school. Yes, I'm assuming. exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's not like you disappear into the sort of exactly. Yeah. So yeah. It, and and you were tracked from class to class. Like you couldn't just kind of not show up yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So um, yeah, and then I and I do remember sleeping in classes. Oh I wow! This, I had this esprit purse. Do you remember uh, I love what I'm hearing? Uh, yes, I do. Esprit de corps. Thank yes, you. Exactly. Um, and it was like this box shaped, and I would put it on the front of my desk and like. Just lay my head. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so uh, this 
what's interesting to me, I feel I could never have slept in class because I would have yes. gotten caught, but I could ditch class. So right. it's interesting that you found a, you have a memory of sleeping, yes, but yet you had to be at class. Yeah, that is weird, huh? Maybe the teachers were just like, well, as long as they're here. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe I like did it so that my chin, I mean, you, uh-huh. can't, you guys can't see this, but Janet can, where uh-huh. my chin was like on my hand uh-huh. and like looking down. <laughs> She just looks down at her notes a lot. Yes. I know it seems like her eyes are fully closed. Um, what were your friendships like in high school? And did you feel like your attitude coming in informed your experience? Or do you feel that the culture of the school kind of took over whatever experience you were going to have? I actually remember coming in <coughs> and being like, I'm going to be friends with everybody okay. and really making an effort. And then... Um, just kind of finding my own group of people. I'm not one of those people who was like, I was friends with everyone because I really wasn't. I just, I mostly had my core group of girlfriends. Um, and I don't know what we would have been classified as. We weren't like dorky, but we certainly weren't popular. We didn't do drugs. I think we like went to see a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, yeah. Were, and were they good students or were you all, were you across, were you sort of all over the place or were you all sort of like, I, think, I don't love school. I think we were kind of all over the place. Yeah. My parents actually divorced when I was a freshman. Does that sound right? Yes. And so I think, you know, um, part of me like not doing my homework was because they weren't necessarily focused on making me do my homework. Yeah. That kind of thing. Well, that what do you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have a younger brother. He's okay. three and a half years younger than I am. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Did, um, so interesting. Okay. So uh, not to make you tell your parents' story, but yeah, of course. I mean, that doesn't sound like it could be a coincidence that they moved from Fort Lauderdale to Kentucky and right. then, then got divorced. Yeah. Do you think that the, did you sense that the divorce might be coming and that the move was part of that or was it a total surprise right. to you? Well, it was about a year after we moved back to Kentucky that they um, got divorced. I think, uh, you know, at the time, and this is sounds so weird to say, but it didn't it seemed like, yeah, that makes sense Mm -hmm. because they, I don't remember ever really my parents like being very loving towards each other. Again, I think they just got married really young, you know, and had, didn't have that life experience. And, and I wasn't ever really mad at them, um, in the way that, I see portrayed in books and television (laughs) and I'm sure it had some sort of effect on me um, in terms of like what I think of as family and the kind of family structure that I want in my life. Mm -hmm. I'm sure in that way it affected me, but I don't think that it like threw me into um, a tailspin really. Mm -hmm. I think it was kind of like, Oh yeah, finally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I think that's, that's something that happens definitely too. Um, did you have friends who were your girlfriends that were their parents together mixed? Actually, and- they were all together. I don't hmm. think any of my friends had divorced parents by the time that I graduated high school. And did your um, one of them move out and you stay with a parent who stayed there? Or how yeah. Did well, my mother moved out technically i i kind of remember the first six months or so like my mom would be there during the week my dad would come in on the weekends and then ultimately my mom remarried kind of right away so there wasn't a you know something happening there yeah Yeah. (laughs) and uh which is fine (laughs) again whatever (laughs) you need to do Uh uh and I ended up staying with my father. And so actually now that we're talking about it, I guess I was mad at her at the time for remarrying so quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, mostly because I didn't like my stepfather very much. Um, we're talking about like Kentucky 
in the sense of very conservative. Mm-hmm. Like my stepfather, you know, had like guns in the house and like mm. uh super Republican and uh let's just say it maybe a little racist mm-hmm. sure. you know sure certainly homophobic like that kind of stuff that i knew wasn't a part of who i was mm-hmm. and didn't want to be around mm-hmm. and so i i lived with my dad most of the time yeah. yeah 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 and yeah yeah and your brother also was with your dad a lot uh he was yeah, yeah. he he spent more time with my mom because he was younger i think mm-hmm. um but yeah that was kind of the Family situation. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay, it's, yeah. I, you loved going to movies and stuff. You like to read. Yes. Um, uh-huh. So obviously you were interested. You did have that interest in the arts. And then... And um, I, I was on the speech and, and drama team. Like, speech, I was the so captain was a of the speech and drama team. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't even know. I think Hilarious. for sure we had speech in high school. But again, to me, that sounded so academic. And even though I was a good student, I just, like, didn't want any more academic responsibility than I just had going to class. Right. Yeah. Um, what was the speech part of it? Um you would write a speech and perform a speech. I think I did all the drama stuff. So I did the monologues and like the duo scenes. And, um, I did Sophie's choice. (laughs) Must've been so hard to decide (laughs) which Sophie's choice scene to do. (laughs) So hard. Uh, and I won like second in state. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. (laughs) Does that take the place of full on productions or did you guys do those too? Yeah, that's a great question. We, we did have, um, plays. I never was really, I, I auditioned for the plays. I wasn't really ever in them. I did like do student directing stuff. Were the plays all women plays? Were women playing yeah, the guys so, and the girls? Um, That's exciting. Well, I wish there was oh. an all guys school across the street. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. So those guys would come over and that was okay. actually... Uh, were they that, in the speech and drama thing too? Or they that, were, yeah. Oh, and that's we would cool. travel together. Yeah. So that was nice to like not be totally cut off from sure. boys. Um, and no, that, that's a big deal. Yeah. And th- those were like where my first boyfriends were from mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, what, uh, what was your dating life like in high school? It was pretty, the first couple years of high school, I didn't really date at all. Um, I actually, I just wasn't a, tr- well, like I would go on dates and like the guy would want to hold my hand and I'd be like really grossed out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I thought I was, by the way, I understand that I was a late bloomer as I'm saying all this stuff. Pl- we've had plenty of yeah, late bloomers. Okay. Um, but I actually thought I was gay at one point okay. because I wasn't attracted to men at all. Yeah. And I went to my mother and she, uh, to her credit, like she was really awesome about it. Um, in a way that you know, I was surprised at at the time. I was like, I think I'm gay. I just don't like boys. And and she was like, well, do you, are you attracted to girls? And I was like, oh no, <laughs> I'm not that either. <laughs> and so I, I mean, I laugh, but by the way, you know, asexuality <laughs> is something that is, is becoming yeah. more and more. I mean, I think that's, I don't know if it, I, I'm not the right person to talk about what the, um, statistics are like in terms of like the the perceived ratio the way for example my cousin um is in uh leads a group for youths called one in ten because okay. the idea being ten percent it mm. feels like that like the idea is that ten percent of the population may or may be gay and that that's actually a very large percentage and so there's a sort of empowerment to this kind of idea of like there's so many of us let's speak let's have our voices heard i don't know what the I don't know what the numbers are like for people who are acknowledged asexuals, but that's also a very real thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, we're laughing because of course it's a delightful that you are like, I'm gay. And then you realize like, Oh, but I also don't want to kiss girls. Right. Um, I just want to give a shout out to my asexual listeners saying like, by the way, totally cool. If you're like, 
I, I think that happens to a lot of asexuals is like why yeah. I know this is this this like norm this gender normative kind of this is like heterosexuality I should be feeling this oh I'm not feeling that I must be gay right I should be feeling this oh I'm not feeling that either oh shit what am I that's yeah. also okay to like I mean it has to be okay because that's something that's inside of you or it's not inside of you and if you don't feel those feelings towards either gender great absolutely but, you and know for you to sort of go okay i i guess <laughs> right so right then you were asexual do you know what right I mean? and i i probably was and i do remember very clearly at that time uh all of my girlfriends really being boy crazy and um and just being like oh, i just don't get it and wanting a label because you want or at least i did yeah at that you you want to like fit in and understand who you are and how you fit in the world and so looking for that label and just not knowing it mm-hmm and then I did fall in love eventually mm-hmm. um, with a boy. In the speech uh, and drama club. Uh, yeah, he was. Yeah, Wonderful. he was older. He played Tevia and Fiddler on the Roof. Well, <laughs> sure. Of course you're going to fall in love with Tevia. Yeah, of course. And we dated for um, about nine months. And then he was gay. And so he came out of the closet mm-hmm. at the end of our relationship and wrecked me. Oh, uh, boy. Which, Do you think so that was your first that's interesting because it's, yeah. it's interesting to think of the first you know the first time we've all had our hearts broken what was that what were the circumstances of that mm-hmm. and to not have known what it felt like to be told first that he liked another girl yeah I wonder if it makes a difference like in terms of the sort of weird gender competition thing or if there's because I always think to myself like my boyfriends who ended up being gay never it wasn't a, it, i never was broken up with because of that it was just uh-huh. something that later on they were like oh by the way i've I come gonna, out yeah. um i adore you but you know i do know that i'm homosexual and i was always like oh that's great right. oh, that makes sense or you know whatever right. but i was never broken up with specifically for that reason and i think that in a very potentially naive way having had my heart broken the other way i think i thought it would be better if he was gay because then i wouldn't feel like i wasn't as good as the girl yes. that he fell for and so i'm wondering if you well that's i'm so glad that you i totally forgot this as we're talking about this i remember so many of my friends saying that exact thing you just said mm. to comfort me at the time and at the time i remember because he was the first person i ever loved or felt sexually attracted to i remember thinking no, because now that means that I don't know what it really feels like. Mm. I thought that he was attracted to me. Sure. That and, makes sense. And he wasn't. So like I made up this story in my head <sighs> about who we were together. It's a whole different kind of mind fuck. <laughs> yeah. A whole yeah, different yeah. kind. Okay. And so how long between that and uh, the next time you allowed yourself, I guess, to be close to someone? So like? then I, so that was maybe. And did you carry that paranoia, by the way? I or did. did you have a paranoia? And I was like. And I don't think I treated him very well. I think I was really nasty to him after because I, even though I understood intellectually and I had gay friends even at the time, um, I was really pissed at him mm. for like dragging me into it right? in a way that now that I look back was like really uncool and like not generous of spirit, you know, no, but you were just a wee one. <laughs> sure. Of course. It's yes. so hard. I yeah. mean, it's hard for all of us to be bigger than our own heartbreak. Like right. how many of us even now totally. are like so mature that they can just go, <laughs> you know, yeah. Listen, I'm shattered, but I do want you to know I care deeply about you. I mean, some yeah, people can. I just couldn't, I yeah. couldn't at the time at all. Understandable. Um, so then I went to college and 
fell in love with my college boyfriend who was just this really nice guy and uh, he was a filmmaker and we were together for three years I think and uh, ultimately I ended up breaking up with him because I wanted to date other people but I mean looking back that was such a nice normal Uh healthy relationship so um, and it was exciting and fun and he I lost my virginity at like I think 19 Mm -hmm. yeah to him in college Mm -hmm. and that was just kind of normal yeah and then after i woke up with him i went crazy (laughs) (laughs) and i slept around and i did all the things that i was like wanting to do you know um it's so funny too because i don't know like when i think about the period of time in my college years where i guess i could sort of say i did that i still never had you know, I had a, a roommate at one point in my life who really knew she was sleeping around and really was, for her, it was very empowering. Or if she felt it at the time, I think there were some, I think it was a lot of layered issues going on there where she would maybe come into a situation thinking she was empowered and that she just wanted to have sex with someone, but yeah. then she would really be hurt and not understand when they didn't right. call her again. Yes. So there's a mm-hmm. sort of to playing different roles in your own brain and body that was going on for some of it. But I never thought of myself as like, I'm sleeping around. Like, and then I just slept with him. And I was like, why not? Or I slept with her. And I was like, who cares? I'm in college. I think that I like, I think I still attach the same, like everything still felt important. Even like a one night stand. Yeah. Which I didn't have many of. But like when I think back on, you know, sort of like going from this person to this and then back to that person, then I slept randomly with this other person in this kind of a small community of people. Right. I think now I look at that and I'm like, that was some pretty loose, like careless behavior. I mean, emotionally careless to the people that I was around. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like that at the time. At the time, I still felt like it's important and I care about this person and I'm confused and I'm conflicted and I'm sad and I'm, you know what I mean? I wasn't, I wasn't feeling like footloose and fancy free, but did you have the experience where you did sort of feel like floating above your own life? Like, and then I, and I was like, fuck it. Yeah. Well, I, I was a bartender and so oh, I was meeting go. all of these guys. Yeah. And so fortunately it wasn't in a, in the same community of people. Like it wasn't. Um, so I, I didn't have to deal with the drama yeah. or the, you know, the hurt of that. Yeah. Um, and it did. It felt really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It felt like, and I think because I was such a late bloomer, when I finally kind of came into my own, and I was like, I can have sex with this person tonight, yeah. and I can have sex with that person tomorrow, yeah. and whatever. Yeah. Uh, it didn't last very long, uh-huh. and you know, ultimately, my numbers were still pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a, a good six month period where I um, just had fun. Yeah. In a in a cool way that. Yeah. And I think too, well, you nice know, to have that experience. And so no, yeah, no judgment like. or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, coming from the Catholic background where it's, you know, obviously so much is so much importance is placed on it. And I, I don't even think that because of that, I waited so long, but I just, I always thought like, I have to be in love not because the church says so, but because what if I lose my virginity to somebody I'm not in love with and I regret it for the rest of my life, yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh, so once I realized like, oh no, sex can just be sex. Sex can be fun. Yeah. Uh, it was, I'm not sure that there, I mean, I think there are a lot of us who never got there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think, I guess I, I guess I did, but not in that way. Not in like, uh, I think it, 
yeah, I don't know if I ever, if I ever got there in that yeah. way. And I kind of wish that I would have. I guess I kind of did in that period of time. Well, and now that I think about it, I guess that all culminated in a situation that was heartbreaking. Well, <laughs> right. It doesn't one, have to. With one person. To, but it can. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you start to like then have fun sex with the same person for a while yeah. and then you're like, oh, but, but I love you. But, yeah. But don't I you think love it's, me? I think it's complicated and I think that's, that's what has to be okay on either side. It, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is when I think about young people um, where there is, you know, earlier and earlier intercourse happening yeah. and I'm not saying that's, I don't want to be this old bitty who's, I, I never, I remember thinking when I was in high school, like, and, and I would hear adults say, oh, that never would have flown when I was your age or that. And da, da, right. Da. Mm-hmm. Um, there are ways to say that, that felt just like, like, uh, observatory. Like I'm observing that this is not, this wouldn't have been okay when I was your age, but like, it is okay for you. So I'm interested in that versus like, Oh, in my day, we never would have done it. That yeah. is preposterous and disgusting. I never, I, I remember thinking like, I never want to be the kind of adult who has decided that my experience is the right experience. And that someone else's who's younger than me, who seems to have an experience that I would look at and go, wow, I wasn't ready for that when I was that age. Because it just seems like that's what it always is. I mean, mm-hmm. that feels so generational. Like, now I'm in the generation of people who look at, you know, teens and say, I'm really worried about these kids. But people were so worried about me. And people and their parents were so worried about them. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know what the answer is. And, and I'm sure that many, you know, right-wingers would say, well, we're watching the destruction and the eventual disintegration of the um, any kind of, you know, culture of morals. Right. <laughs> I don't ever want to be on their side. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. be there. So I, what I want is to be prepared to say things change, stuff shifts, people have sex younger and younger, there's more and more birth control hopefully we'll continue to in you know educate people uh from every class and every you know di- from every diverse uh, bit of culture all over these great united states yeah <laughs> uh that there that 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 the problems that come along with that are being managed in the same swift manner that these things are kind of like happening and technology exploding and all that kind of stuff but i think that sex and love are very complicated and i don't mm-hmm. think that will ever change I, I kind of hope it doesn't, but that's where it becomes difficult is like the more freedom you have to sort of explore that and not attach any kind of real emotional, um, stakes to it. Uh, the, you also have to be prepared for, and then sometimes it really hurts because this happens. Yes. Like exactly. it isn't, it's never going to yeah. be one or the other. It doesn't right. have to be that every time you have sex, you're in love with someone and it doesn't have to be that every time you have sex, you don't care about it, but just be prepared for the weird gray area that we all face with more freedom and more choices. And I'm so grateful, like, and it wasn't purposefully at this, I think I was 21 when the time that I'm talking about, um, I'm so grateful that it happened then because it was definitely old enough that, uh, it wasn't dangerous, but it, but it was still young enough where I was like in my mid to late twenties, like, "Ah, I don't need to do that. I already did that. And now I can kind of focus Mm -hmm. on other things. So your timeline, it felt like for me, for me, it felt, and I know that that's not true for everyone. Um, you know, and sometimes that happens in your forties and I'm sure it's great, but like, I can look back and be like, Oh, like that was fun. But also, uh, you know, 
I was kind of shitty to that person or that person was kind of shitty to me and I don't want to treat people like that yeah. as an adult. Yeah, to learn you know? those lessons earlier. Yeah. That can be a real gift for sure. Um, all right, listen, I'm going to get into this MASH game. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> which I'm very excited about even though I can't find my normal MASH uh, notepad and I was acting like I didn't know what that was going to do to me. This is like slam books, like MASH, like oh, yeah. this takes me back to yeah. the 90s. Uh, as it should. Great. As it should. <laughs> Um, okay, I'll just make this little small square. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. And I'll do this. Okay. Um, okay. Three, uh, three, um, improvisers that you wish that, uh, for, it can be that you potentially may do this at some point. It may okay. also be people who are not alive any longer, or you okay. think it's so unlikely that you would never be able to share a stage with them, but three, um, improvisers that, uh, it would be fun to perform with. Del Close. <laughs> not alive. He's not alive. Del Close. Not alive. <laughs> uh, let's go with Stephanie Weir since we talked about her a little Have bit. Have you not done that yet? Uh, yeah, I guess I have a couple times. It can be that can you guys are right. like doing it I all the time, her. but yeah. I, 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 she's great. So I'm not going to question that at all. Third, third improviser. Um, oh, let's go with TJ Jagged LC. Okay. It's a Chicago guy. TJ and Dave. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> you didn't make the list. Only TJ. Um, I have to assume they listen to this podcast. Uh, okay. Uh, next category is three movies that you can jump into um, and the worlds are real. Yes. So you're safe. Nothing bad's going to happen to you, so but the characters good. are alive and real and you can interact with them. Okay. Pride and Prejudice. Great. <laughs> now, are we talking about the, um, the, the miniseries? That, yes. yes. Please. Yeah. As if there's more than one. Exactly. I mean, there are, but there are. <laughs> uh, that would be one. Uh, let's go with um, Goonies great which some people hate great. it feels like it's a thing it. a trend that people hate goonies all of a sudden but i love it just you know what goonies never say die guys so why don't you just <laughs> focus your hate on something else let's go for the third one with uh let's do something different let's do terminator great great <laughs> which i also love great 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 me too um okay next one is let's do three like alternate universe um carla careers where okay. whatever for whatever yes. reason that you wouldn't do it in this one none of those reasons exist then in these alternate universes yeah i want to be uh in this one of these a, a travel guide writer amazing <laughs> great um i also i think i'd be a pretty good vet great veterinarian love it um and then for the third one oh let's go with um someone who dyes fabrics Oh, wonderful <laughs> you know what i just wrote fabrician there you go <laughs> Doesn't, that's not a thing uh it is in this world okay uh next three then based on the now this is just informing itself this match game uh match game uh based on what i just heard from you three pets that can be as totally fantastical fictitious impossible as you want or as simple as like i want a labradoodle or something but okay. three but think three that i could want. be a dragon could be yeah oh these yeah are like your, okay these great. are like your dream pets uh a dream pet a gnome is that a pet <laughs> sure <laughs> as i just start getting angry letters from gnome rights association oh, gnomes are not pets gnomes are not pets um i'm just thinking of small things that mm -hmm. i could handle uh -huh. that wouldn't scare me <laughs> uh a uh, ferret great 
I'm going to go ahead and say my version of that, I think, might be a mongoose because they are cute. Oh, yeah. Seeing them scrabbling around in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the third one, let's go with a uh, an elephant in okay. the opposite direction of size. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, that seems like it from everything we all hear. It seems like that would be like a deep bond, you know? Yeah. <laughs> the elephant would bury you in the elephant graveyard when you die. Aww. Oh, boy. Uh, three. Let's do the same thing with books because I know you like to read and go to movies um, <laughs> like a normal human person. Three books that uh, the worlds are real and you can go in and jump oh, into an experience. gosh. Jane Eyre. <laughs> I love it. You've got to get the... By the way, I'm a little nervous that when I, I wrote P slash P that I'm just going to be like, pepper and pepper. What did that mean? Uh, Jane Eyre, great. Um, uh, oh, Virgin Suicides. Oh, wow, great. Like 70s, crazy, yeah, awesome culture. Uh, the third one, let's go with Gone with the Wind. <laughs> great, 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 great. Remember, guys, these are books, not just movies. Right. Oh, yeah. Read them. <laughs> Read them and probably uh, weep uh, for too. many of these. Yeah. Um, okay. Next category is all due respect to your fantastic <laughs> husband, Craig Bukowski. Three uh, gentlemen that you would like to spend some sexy times with oh. or some romance times with or, or sort of your alternate universe husband can be any any version of what that partnership looks like. Okay. Um, uh, uh, Colin Firth. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get right into it. Is, pepper and pepper yeah why not we're already talking about it uh let's go with um oh gosh i should be better at this okay hold on i think you're doing a great job these are some very <laughs> rapid fire very improvisational answers okay great impressed. uh can we do girls yes women? okay great uh let's go with julia roberts great really like her great. still like her a lot i do too and for the third one uh <laughs> let me think of anything in my house that i like <laughs> Hold on. Uh, oh, Ethan Hawke. Oh, great. Okay. Big fan. I saw him late at night. I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on podcast, but I was in... Here's a class complaint. I was in Paris. It's not a complaint. <laughs> uh, I was lucky enough to be in Paris uh, several years ago. And um, like in... It wasn't like the Latin Quarter, but it was like... A, it was across... It was a, it's across the river from that, but it was a, in this little pocket that felt very like cafe, late night jazz. Like there should have been a jazz band playing. Um, and I was having like an espresso to stay awake to walk back to where I was staying with my... I think I was there with my girlfriend. And um, and Ethan Hawke walked by. Oh. Oh in like a turned up pea coat oh. like it was so where you so suddenly are like are we in a movie yeah. like he's in paris like i think he probably had like a paperback book tucked under so his arm great. it was so cliche it was fabulous i saw him once in new york same thing kind of a similar yeah, situation where he had a pea coat turned up <laughs> and it was it was so funny it had just snowed like yeah and so it was he was walking through snow and he walked into his his apartment or his house oh, and man. i totally know where he lives nicely done but i wonder how many weird cinematic fantasies like that yeah. he's fulfilled for, pe for people just all over can i change one real quick yeah yeah as you said paris i went juliet binoche instead of oh, julia roberts god <laughs> worth it worth it if that's okay if that's love not I hope that's not her. cheating I love her. And you know who else I love who I don't see that much? And I'm sure it's by her choice is Julia Ormond. Oh, just to keep yeah. the Julie and Juliet's. She's great. She's another like very, speaking of vulnerability, very vulnerable, very tough. To yes. have that balance of like 
very very broken but also like extremely steely yes is, like very rare. love her and just a f- beautiful fragile like china doll face she was on Mad Men, the right that's As right the mother that's right i know and i, I always forget, forget that, that she was there yeah 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 because she's I love so her great Smilla, sense yeah. of snow shout out to smilla uh okay next one is uh three foods that you can have with zero ramifications negative oh. ramifications uh could be as specific as like one chocolate chip cookie you had one time you've never been able to get again yeah or just chocolate chip cookies in general etc there's a creme brulee donut mm. at a place called blue star in portland great this is exactly what this is for <laughs> so that would be one of them for sure great um and then let's go with uh Oh, uh, uh, Salt and Straw has mm-hmm. <laughs> um, s- salted caramel, I think oh, is great. what it is. Salted caramel ice cream. Great. It's amazing. Great, great, great. And then for the third one, I'm going to go with candy corn because that was oh sure Halloween was yesterday and I didn't yes. have any candy corn and I have to go find some on uh, sale today. Don't you worry. I have a oh, okay, untouched great. <laughs> bag of candy corn that I'm going to hand Yay. you. Um, okay. And then final category for Carla Kakowski yes. will be... Uh, Let's go with you're an expert on something. Okay. It can be something that you love. It can be uh, it can be that you're an expert in, you know, technology so that you know how to like do things with a computer that I know that I should be able to do and can't. But it could also be you're an expert on, you know, this one filmmaker that you love. Okay. Three. Okay, great. Um I'm an expert on knitting. Great. These are things I want to be an expert on. Great. Right? Yes. Okay. Um because I just can't seem to knit a sweater as well, much as I want to. Maybe in this world. Uh, yeah. And maybe uh, not. <laughs> I am an expert on opera singing. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. And I am an expert on astrology. Ooh, fun. Okay, great. Okay, this is great. All right. Uh, tell me when to stop. Stop. Oh, quickie. God, mm-hmm. love it. Improv, improv. Quick cut. Yep. yep. Uh, Reacting. One. Okay, I'm going to pause this. Uh, I'm going to do some quick calculations. There's not a lot of calculating involved, to be honest with you. And then I'm going to re- reveal your 100% guaranteed MASH future. Okay. All right, we'll see if we can get through this without her. Okay, good. Good settling in. Um, okay, I'm very excited about these results. <laughs> the results. I've taken your blood test. Okay. I'm excited about these results. Number one, I guess I forgot to like... Usually I'll be like either a, a, a place in the world that's real or a fictitious place that you would have like a vacation home. And I didn't do that. But I'll tell you what I'm going to wind it right into Great. is uh, the movie. The movie will be the place that you have um, this mansion apartment shack or house. Love it. So you have a mansion in Goonies. <laughs> <laughs> At least it's a mansion. A mansion in Goonies uh, where you have a pet gnome. <laughs> Gnomes are pets. Gnomes are pets. Um, if you get tired of your mansion and your gnome in Goonies Land, you can also jump into the world of the Virgin Suicides. <laughs> Which is so depressing. <laughs> but it's really cool in the 70s. It's very cool. And there's a lot of cool clothes, a lot of cool style. Um, uh, speaking of cool clothes and cool style, I appreciate your ability to dye fabric in your alternate universe. <laughs> Life is a fabric titician. I'm not sure. Uh and then, um, uh, actually, that makes sense. You probably not only dye your own fabric, but since you're an expert in knitting, there's a lot of sort of like, you're probably like creating these very hip clothes. Yes, of course. Um, <laughs> with a 70s bent 
and a Goonies twist uh, for gnomes. Um, and I also want to reassure you that uh, when your gnome gets ornery or when you need a break from doing all that dyeing of fabric, uh, you can also enjoy uh, with unlimited availability and zero health ramifications, salt and straw, salted caramel ice cream. Yay. I'll be right there with you which I see you uh, spoon-feeding to your alternate universe husband, a Mr. Colin Firth. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> Janet Varney, you made all important. my dreams come oh, true. I've, and I forgot to say, uh, you can improvise about all of these wonderful adventures that you have and more uh, on stage with the marvelous uh, Stephanie Weir, <gasps> yes. which seems like that could happen my tomorrow. Um, Carla, thank you so thank much for you. doing our podcast. This was together. so great. What a, what a cool morning. We good, had a good, good Sunday morning. morning. <laughs> um, I got to go do this other activity that I'm uh, excited yet uh, nervous about. And, um, and guys, I, I invite you to continue <laughs> listening to, uh, to Carla's podcast, Improv Yak, um, uh, which is available on iTunes. On iTunes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can follow Carla on Twitter. At Carla Kakowski. At Carla Kakowski. Let's keep it nice, simple, yeah. easy, and clean. Yep. Uh, I'm Adriana Varney. You know that. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on the podcast. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by The Amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.